of Sabah Gimel and Adalaf, the accumulative power of consistency, Adar Azul Viyatik. As I mentioned to you, I'm on a client project overseas, and uh, when, I, when, when that's the case, it occupies an enormous amount of time and, and headspace as, as one immerses oneself into the client's needs. A little bit like passing a Shiloh for somebody. You really get involved in, in the client's need and the headspace and time available for learning and teaching is less. I'm doing my best to stay in touch with you and share insights from the DAF as we always do, perhaps not to the same uh, degree of complexity uh, as, as I usually do. We have the wonderful story today, uh, well known, of Rabbi Akiva and his amazing wife Rachel and the part she played in making him one of the greatest Torahites that we've ever had. The story starts on Samach Bet Amud Bet, where um, there's this enormously wealthy man, Kalba Savo, who has a daughter, uh, who notices Rabbi Akiva and how exceptional he, he is as a human being, but he's somewhat of an Amaret. And she says to him, if I were to marry you, you would you go to study at the Beirav, at the, uh, at, at the yeshiva? Uh, and he says, yes, I would. Uh, so they very privately did Kiddushin, he betrothed her, um, and when this wealthy father heard that her, his daughter had married this shepherd boy, uh, she did, he disinherited her, which didn't bother her, and Rabbi Akiva went away for 12 years. Uh, when he came back uh, with 12,000 Talmidim, uh, he had already become very great, um, he heard somebody saying to his wife, overheard somebody saying to his wife, you're a living widow, how do you al- allow all this? And she says, if he would listen to me, I would let him learn for another 12 years. Um, so he said to himself, then she's giving me permission, and he turned around and went off and studied for another 12 years and came back with 24,000 Talmudim. Uh, and when she came out to, to greet him, uh, his his Talmidim, the people around Rabbi Akiva, didn't know who this woman was and what she wanted with him, uh, and they were trying to push her aside, and Rabbi Akiva insisted and said, uh, absolutely not, uh, you've got to leave her alone, Shavkuha, Sheli Veshelachem, everything that I have and everything that you have, Shelahi, is actually hers. She's responsible for that, uh, recognizing in full uh, that she had had made that sacrifice to make him great. Uh, and of course, there's a lot to, to think about and to discuss. Uh, it's hard for us to relate to that. A young couple getting married and then uh, him going away for, for 24 years and coming back for with 24,000. Very difficult to, to figure out. But that's not what we have time to go into right now. I want to reference the very first cheer I heard from Reb Chaim Shmuel Levitz, it must have been in 1971, the great Rosh Hashiva of Mir. And I remember at that time it was very difficult to, to hear him. He had had a stroke, so his speech was slurred. He spoke in Yiddish. My Yiddish wasn't so good. Uh, he was soft-spoken. It was difficult to hear him. Um, and yet I could hear and understand every word, and it penetrated into my depths to a point that one will never forget it. Uh, and that's an important thing to appreciate. If one learns something and it touches your heart, you don't forget it. We forget things that we store in our our memory databank, but things that touch our hearts we don't forget, and if we could only learn in that way, how amazing it would be, and that's what a, a Rebbe can do. Reb Chaim Shmuelevitz could teach in a way that what he taught uh, penetrated one's heart, and, and, and so did. And the particular uh, shear that he gave was on this piece of Gemara where he asked, uh, almost with tears in his eyes, when he told the story, uh, and he says, but why didn't Rabbi Akiva just go in 
and spend an hour or two with her, check in on her, speak to her a little bit, and then turn around and uh, and go on his way. And some say he was afraid that he would not be able to pull himself away, that he would find himself getting distracted and, and not going back to yeshiva. But Reb Chaim Shmuel Levitz had a different approach. Reb Chaim Shmuel Levitz's approach is that he didn't want to interrupt his learning because Reb Chaim used to say 12 plus 12 does not make 24. Uh, if you've got one body of 12 years and another body of 12 years and you put them together, that is nowhere near as powerfully valuable as 24 consistent uninterrupted years of learning Torah. And he didn't want the interruption even of a few hours uh, in that 24-year period. If she'd given him the permission for another 12 years, he wanted to build that 12 years onto the previous 12 years. Uh, because, as Reb Chaim Shmulevitz used to explain, uh, it's somewhat like compound interest. If you keep on reinvesting the interest month after month after month, or if every month you put the same amount of money away, every single month that it accumulates, the accumulation of compound interest is, is so powerful because it's geometrical, it's exponential, it's not a linear um, progression. It's not that you put in 100 one month and 100 the next month and now you've got 200. No, by two months time you've got more than 200 and after a year you've got more than 1200. It just it grows and grows and so it is with any investment. If you invest consistently and regularly, it's not a linear accumulation, it's exponential. There's research that's recently been done about the power of exercise and that consistency, exercising every single day has much more value than exercise super intensely and for long periods of time, some days and on some days not doing so. Just the consistency of doing it every single day, the daf yomi, the idea of learning a daf of Gomorrah every single day, it's not just one daf adds to another. There's, there's an exponential accumulation of compounded value as you add one onto the other if you don't if you don't interrupt. And Rebbeim used to say that was the same idea uh, with, with Yaakov Avinu when we're told in Pashas Vayetze that uh, he came to the place, to Beitel, and he took from the stones of the place and he lay down to put his head on a stone to lie down. That was the way he slept that night. Vayishkav bamakomahu and he lay down in that at that place and Rashi brings Chazal that that's Lashon Miut. It's coming to tell you this is exceptional. He he, he slept in that particular place. But for the 14 years that he was being Meshamish, that he was serving the, in the house of Aver and Shem Aver and, and learning Torah from them, he didn't even lie down at night. And Reb Chaim Shmuelevich used to say that means he didn't even lie down in this manner. That means just on the ground with a stone as you as, as a pillow, Shaya or Sekba Torah, because he was busy with Torah and didn't want to stop. Uh, and again, Reb Chaim Shmulevin says, but just take a rest, just take a nap. But Yaakov Avinu wouldn't. Again, we can't understand what that is to go 14 years without sleeping. How did he manage? What, what was his mechanism? Uh, we wouldn't be able to do that. But it, the principle is that he saw the value in an uninterrupted 14 years, which was not the same as a, as uh, the, the linear accumulation of many, many days, each interrupted by a night's sleep, that wasn't the same. He wanted to invest that consistency in, in the whole process. And the, um, 
this idea of tamid, of course, we can't always do that. Yes, one can. We, we know that, for example, we say the bracha of Lasok B'divrei Torah in the morning, the, the, the bracha for learning Torah we say in the morning, and then we go through by our work in the day, uh, and we learn again in the night. We don't say the bracha again, because it's understood that if we live our lives as, as Torah, when we're working, we're thinking of the halachot involved in business. Uh, when we're eating, we're making brachot and thinking of the halachot. So throughout the day, there's, a, there's an awareness of Torah. We're thinking about the piece of Gomorrah that we learned. We're thinking about the matmonim idea that we heard that morning and we're reflecting on it and, and applying it. So the Torah is being consistently learned, although you're not formally sitting in front of a sefer, but you are, your head is occupied in Torah all, all the day. So that's that consistency if one lives that way. But if one takes one's mind off it completely, if one applies one's mind to something else with no connection to Torah, that's a hefsek. That that you, one is, one is stopping the the process of of learning Torah at that time. But even if one can't learn consistently, meaning all day, every day, or whatever it is elsewhere is that one's doing, there is the idea of tmidut of, of what does consistency mean? And we have the Rashi in Pasha Tetzaveh, in the beginning of of Tetzaveh, where we're we're told to, to get the oil for the. Um, uh, for, for, the, for the menorah, la'alot ner tamid, and that's the ner tamid that we have in the shuls, it's called the ner tamid, the consistent light, and in the shuls we leave it on all the time. Uh, Rashi says it doesn't mean in the Besamekdash the menorah was on all the time, it wasn't necessarily so, but kol laila velaila, it was written, written every single, lit every single night, without an exception, without an interruption, that too, Karui Tamid is called consistently, it's consistency. Sometimes consistency means continuously without a break, and sometimes it means consistently without a break. Uh, exercising every day doesn't mean you exercise all day. Uh, and so it is also with Limut Torah. If one cannot learn Torah all day, at least learn Torah every day. Uh, if one cannot do certain things, you cannot spend and invest time with your, your your wife or your husband or your children all day, at least make sure that you do it every day so that there is that measure of consistency. And to understand and appreciate also the, the damaging uh, impact of of multitasking, and research shows quite clearly today that there, there's no such thing as multitasking. The human mind cannot focus on two things simultaneously. What we're actually doing is switching from one to the other very fast, which means there is hefsek. If Yaakov Avinu didn't want to interrupt even for one night's sleep because of the power of consistency, um, if Rabbi Akiva didn't want to go into his wife to, to spend a little time with her because of the power of consistency, why would we allow our minds to be distracted and interrupted dozens and dozens of time in an hour of, of, of focus? If you're talking to somebody and your phone is on and you're looking at your phone and you're aware of your phone, that's constant interruption of your mind. And it doesn't, there's no accumulative paying of attention. The other person doesn't feel the depth of attention that they would feel if you were really focused on them uh, at the time that you're engaging with them or you're listening to a shiur or you're learning something or you're reading something. Rather smaller periods of time with total focus and no interruption than a longer period of time with constant interruption. That's the power of, of tmidut. That's the power of hatmada. That's what being a matmid means. The word matmid means somebody very conscientious. What the conscientiousness, how it manifests is through the consistency of doing what one does every single day without fail uh, and building up an exponential power and value of the investment that one has made.